Wait, okay. Um, Let me see. I, I think I got it. Hold on. I appreciate our podcast time together. And I feel glad when we talk because it feels really nice to have these kinds of conversations. And what I would like is to be able to continue them. <laughs> did I do it? You did it and you touched my heart. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you are a gem. That was great. <laughs> And welcome to episode four of The Territory and the Map. Today, we're going to be talking about assertive communication in league land. I'm Andy Buchanan, Executive Director of the Spinal CSF League Foundation and New York Times bestselling author of 12 books, including my memoir about my own experience with Spinal CSF League titled The Beginning of Everything. And with me today, as always, is Dr. John Ryman, a trauma therapist who also experienced the Spinal CSF League. Hi, John. Thanks for being here. Glad to be here, Andy. In this podcast, we talk about spinal CSF leak in ways we usually aren't able to, moving beyond the map of symptoms and facts and firmly into the territory of lived experience. And as always, it's important to note this podcast is educational in nature and not intended to be a substitute for or construed as medical advice or individual therapy. So to those of you listening, your job is to see if anything possibly useful emerges today. Please don't take on anything we say before first running it through your own gut and intuition. It's important to practice self-care, so in the event you find listening to our discussion too difficult or too close to home, it's fine to pause, take a break, or stop listening altogether. So, Today, we're going to be talking about assertive communication. And while that's something I'm comfortable with on a professional level, I think it's fair to say that on a personal level, assertive communication is a topic that both frightens and confuses me. <laughs> As a person who is like the uh, internet meme of the person who says absolutely no worries either way, but then also worries both ways and a secret third way all the time. Um, being assertive in communication sounds a little terrifying. So I hope that today you're going to share some kind of magic bullet or one cool trick that we can use to make asking for what we want and need a not scary experience. Am I onto something here or? Oh, absolutely. This will be the magic you're you've been hoping for. Oh, yes. Thank goodness. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, our focus here is today on effective, assertive communication for those of us in Lakeland with medical professionals and family members or caregivers. The emphasis today is on expressing oneself effectively. We assertively communicate not to ensure that we get what we want or need. Now, that may sound paradoxical, but the reason we are assertively communicating is so we can be more confident that we will be capably heard. And being capably heard may, in some cases, be the best we can do. But actually, that's a pretty significant gain 
in communication to feel and know that you have been effectively heard. So we're going to be talking about a four-step process for effectively asserting oneself in communication. Before we dive in, it can be challenging, I think, under the best of circumstances to advocate for yourself in certain situations. What do you think it is about being in leak land that makes it particularly challenging? First, I think a challenge is that symptoms consume a lot of our bandwidth when we are in leak land. So just symptoms taking bandwidth would be the first piece. The second piece would be brain fog, which has lots of different definitions, but I I think basically some diminished capacity to effectively process thinking and to express oneself. And that absence of clarity would make asserting oneself more challenging. Another dimension, I think, of challenge is that the medical establishment is traditionally and presently pretty hierarchical in terms of communication. And I think many of us have been acculturated into a kind of, um, we're the patient and they're the doctor or they're the nurse or they are the therapist. And that that differential isn't one that typically invites a great deal of communication, especially communication about needs and wants. I do think that that's changing somewhat. Another area, I think, would be with family members and caregivers. You know, being in that position in Leakland really takes up a lot of I'll just use the word kind of social capital in the family environment or with caretakers, meaning that I'm generally more needy and asking for more and needing more and feeling less like I can capably do more on my own. And that neediness, especially if I'm unfamiliar with it, might make me recede back from assertively communicating what it is that I need. Now, when you say assertive, it's hard for me not to hear aggressive, but that's not what we're talking about, right? We're not talking about being aggressive in what you're trying to express. You're talking about being clear in what you're expressing? Yes, I'm talking about, and this will get unpacked nicely once we start into it. I'm talking about really communication that articulates what it is one needs and why they need it, built on a foundation of first and foremost recognizing that the person I'm speaking to may have some of their own needs that I want to try to address as soon in the communication as I can. So to answer your question more broadly, passive communication might just sort of be that laissez-faire, let it go, chill, all good, no worries. Uh, uh, Let's make that the far left end of a continuum. And on the far right end of that continuum, let's put aggressive. 
aggressive, let's just define for the moment as communicating emotional-backed demands. Assertive, this is in the middle of this, smack in the middle, and basically is so much more effective than the other two. In passive communication, it's unlikely people are going to know what I need because I'm probably not communicating it clearly. In aggressive communication, I'm probably going to be making demands and have sharp edges, which is going to alienate people from capably listening to me. So what we're doing in these four steps is structuring a way of communicating, whether it's with family members, medical professionals, children. This is a four-step time-tested process, which is not mine, but I've used it, I've taught it, I've worked with it for years, and there'll be a reference included to where this all came from. Yeah, let's dive in. I have shared the document in our program notes so people can reference that as they listen or afterwards. We're doing a little something different in today's episode in that John and I haven't really talked about this. We're going to go in and I'm going to face these four steps fresh and see if I can understand a little bit better how to be assertive in communication. I so much appreciate you doing it that way. I think there's a vulnerability for you in doing it this way, Andy. And even as we're doing this live and unrehearsed, I would just encourage you, as we have all of the people listening to this, to use self-care and go as far as you are comfortable or as short as you are comfortable. Okay? Okay. So... I'm going to, first of all, point to the four steps of assertiveness. The formula is one. The first step is an empathy statement. The second, I feel. The third, when and because. And the fourth, I need, would like, or wish. I'm going to go through each of these and explain briefly using the example from my practice. So, The empathy statement really shows the other person that you're trying to see things from their point of view and that you appreciate them. So doing this helps them to listen to what else you might have to say. In this particular example, this is a situation where a police officer who worked day shift comes home and his partner is at home and she's taking care of the kids and doing domestic life and doing homeschooling, and he comes home and basically recedes down to a dark den with a TV and disappears. She could go in and sweep everything off the table or say, get your butt up here. There there would be lots of ways she could express her frustration with it. In this particular case, what we're looking for is for her or for anyone in step one to communicate a recognition or an appreciation of the other person. You might think this is manipulative or this is gamey, but actually in human communication, this first step, that is appreciating something related to the person related to the issue that you're going to be raising with the person, something positive, something appreciative. So in this case, 
I know that you work really hard to provide for our family. So notice we're starting not in the face of the person, but we're starting kind of gently at six feet and we're recognizing, we're seeing them. The best way not to have someone listen to me is to blast into their space without any recognition of who they are or an appreciation of where they are and communication goes nowhere. So you're starting out with some empathy. You're starting out with some empathy and it needs to be real because if it's something that I really don't appreciate about you, but I'm going to say that inauthenticity is going to be transparent and this process won't go anywhere. Okay? It's not a dispensable step. It has to happen for communication. Right. Without it, things go nowhere. Well, it seems okay? like it seems like it's a way to get everybody kind of uneven ground starting point. So not, it's not like somebody's mad and somebody's like, whoa, why are you mad? But you're like finding a common ground to start the, a conversation from, yeah? True. Yes. And I also want to say that the empathy statement, if you look at the example provided, I know that you work really hard to provide for our family. You know, even that could be presented with a sharp edge. Mm. So for example... Yeah, you know, you work really, really hard <laughs> right. uh, like, you know, for our family. Well, right. that's just going to put the other person in a defensive position. Even if the words are appreciative, the intonation and the affect are anything but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tone is important. You can't put quotation marks around the word provide. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Right, right, <laughs> right. All right, step two is I feel. Now, I feel lets you start by expressing how you feel about the behavior or what it is you're going to be addressing. And here, I think it's important to stick to one of five or six basic emotions. Most often in our regular daily interactions, we will often say, I feel like you, or I feel like, well, it's really, that's actually not usually a feeling, but it's sometimes the beginning of an attack or mm. sometimes it's the beginning of a thought. So we're going to distill this down to five feelings and they're going to be mad. That would under mad would be angry, frustrated, irritated, annoyed. So mad. Second one, sad. The third, scared with all of its different underlings. The fourth, guilty or ashamed. And the fifth, glad. Okay. So mad, sad, scared, guilty or ashamed, and glad. Okay? okay. And I'm going to say one of those under the I feel. If you look at what's written, the example... If we go back to the first step, I know that you work really hard to provide for our family, but I feel angry. Notice I have but crossed off. But is um, just not helpful. And is inclusive, but is exclusive. And if I'm listening to someone and there's a but, 
That's the point at which my shoulders are going to raise and my body is going to tense up. Right. Right. So it's important to say, I feel this and. And, yeah. Hmm. So we've got, I know that you work really hard to provide for a family and I feel angry. Now, when and because. So the when tells the person what specifically bothers you about the behavior or the situation. And the because is how the behavior affects you. So in this case, I know you work really hard to provide for a family and I feel angry when you come home from work and don't help out with the chores or work with the kids because I'm too tired and need your help. Mm. When and because. The fourth and final step is I need, and this is the tough part, who for people who feel guilty simply letting other people, especially family members and doctors, know what their needs are, it's hard to get to the, the recognition that I need has really nothing to do with being selfish, but instead actually gives the listener a clear signal of what you want them to do differently so they'll have the opportunity to change or the opportunity to consider meeting or responding to your needs. Mm -hmm. And again, back to what I said at the beginning, this four-step process has nothing to do with guaranteeing that you're going to get what you want or what you need but you will have the satisfaction of knowing that you capably have expressed that need in the best way you could have, okay? So, so the final piece here, running through the whole thing, I know that you work really hard to provide for our family, and I feel angry. I feel angry when you come home from work and don't help out with the chores or work with the kids because I'm tired too and I need your help. So for the fourth step, I'd like it if you would help the kids with their homework when I make dinner. All right? So it's very specific. And we want it to be as specific as it can. If it ends up with something as abstract as I need or I want you to be more considerate, well, too big, too broad, isn't really saying what it is that I need or want. Right. Okay, so does this always work? Nope, but <laughs> a high percentage of the time it does, and it just gives you a better tool to deal with situations than anger, passivity, or avoidance, and it, which really achieves the desired results. All right, so with that, let's go ahead, and I will coach and guide you through the example. Okay. So okay. let's start with. Can we start with something low stakes? Do you have something in mind right now? I do. Yeah. Okay, good. So can you describe the situation before we go to the steps? What's the situation? Okay. So the situation is that, <laughs> and this is a, a low stakes situation here. Um, this is this is really not challenging, but so my husband, like a normal person, likes to eat salads and like a normal person, he likes to have croutons on it and crunchy things. And I um, 
cannot stand <laughs> when he eats a salad sitting next to me crunching because it just, uh, there is something about the crunching of the salad and the croutons and I cannot stand it and I have to leave the room or, <laughs> and it's a normal thing. Everybody should eat salads. Salads are great. But um, for me, it becomes a very challenging experience because the noise of it is so, and I feel terrible asking him to not do that because I'm literally asking him to not chew his food, which is really not fair. But it's hard to know how to assert myself in this situation, especially when I feel like it's really my problem, you know? <laughs> yes. It's um, so two things. One, your presentation of the issue, you work very hard to minimize it. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and, and to disqualify it. But actually... I think you're raising it likely because it is an issue for you. And in fact, sounds like auditorily, it's difficult at times. Yes. Secondly, do you even question that you have a legitimate right to raise this? Oh, absolutely. On the scale of, on the scale of things that I could complain about, it's very, very minor. Yeah. Right. Right. Now, this is a particularly good one for Leakland because, and you and I haven't spoken about this, but the number of people with whom I work in Leakland who have sensory sensitivities mm -hmm. that are significantly outside the normal bounds of their day-to-day -day experience and so are intrusive and disruptive and painful even, it is a feature of Right. as well as I'm sure other places. Right. Okay. So let's jump right in. Let's create an imaginal situation where he's sitting there crunching <laughs> and you are at the table. And I need to begin with empathy. Correct. So what would be a statement that you could make to him that would be appreciating him? Okay. I could say... Um, I appreciate that you want to share dinner time with me. Okay. So I'm going to sort of do a micro coaching job okay. with you on this. Okay. It's sort of the way yeah. it works. Um, so what you are appreciating is something like, I appreciate how much in our life together with me in Leakland you have accommodated in untold ways for an untold period of time. And I'm so grateful to you for all of that. Can you feel that one? Yes. Yes. So I'm setting the scene by acknowledging how much he already accommodates me. Exactly. And what you really want is for him to be listening to and readying to listen to what you have to say and what you've done really by starting with the appreciation is paving the way on the road where you're going to be asking for something around which you want to be seen and you're starting by seeing him. Ah, oh, I love that. Okay. Yeah. So it's more along the lines of, I appreciate 
the lengths that you've gone to listen to me, to accommodate me, to see what I'm struggling with, and to try to make my life easier around it. Beautiful. Yes, yes. And and since you know him, would you assume might he open somewhat upon hearing that? Yes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. So that's the empathy statement, and it's indispensable. I want to just say that the iterations we had to go through to get to it is just a reflection of how complex this seemingly simple process can right. be. Because what we really want to be doing in the empathy statement is appreciating something about the other person. Okay? That's where we start. Right. Then we move to I feel. All right? <laughs> I feel irrational anger <laughs> when you chew. <laughs> so just noticing again how in your presentation of it, there's kind of a nervousness because really this is going to qualify right. as something I have a right to even say or put on the table. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, you do, right? <laughs> now, you may conclude that you don't have that right for some reason, and that would put us into a more complex situation, mm -hmm. which we're not into at this level of podcast. <laughs> so, okay. The first one, as you started, I know and appreciate how accommodating you are and have been of me. I'm just going to shortcut yes. that yes. here forward to us. Yes. Okay. And I feel... Yeah. I don't know if angry is the right word, but... Um, I don't think it is. It doesn't... The anger isn't what you're... But it does fill me with rage to hear the crunch, um, which I know is... I guess it's a profound kind of irritation, right? That, that sensory overload of it. Yes. And again, for many of us, the irritation, the annoyance is often a cover for what's just beneath it, which is fear. Because mm. if noises are raspy and are unpleasant, actually, they hurt. Yeah, like sandpaper on your brain. Right. Yeah, I think it's a it's a sensory thing. So this particular example, I don't think it's coming from fear, but more of, uh, like I said, that sandpaper on the brain feeling is not great. So what's the emotion that goes with it? I guess irritation is not an emotion. I think what you might be saying is that when I'm listening to that, and it's difficult because of my brain. As I listen to that, I get progressively more anxious. Would that be true? I, I could be a part of it. I think definitely angry, anxious kind of go hand in hand sometimes. Let's go with angry okay. just for now. So I appreciate how much you accommodate. And I feel angry when... You crunch your salad. Because... <laughs> It hurts my brain. Thank you. That's so perfect, Andy. Can you? Yeah. It's succinct. We didn't rehearse it. It really yeah. goes exactly to it. Wow. When you crunch your salad, because it hurts my brain. Yeah. <laughs> That's quite a step to speak that truth. Well, it's the next step that's the hardest one. The and I need 
that one where I need, I would like. Okay. So this is the tough part. So again, I appreciate how accommodating you are. And I feel angry when you crunch your salad because it hurts my brain. I'd like it if, or what I would like, or what I would wish is that. And let's try to be with this step as specific and as keeping it real as we can be. Okay. So let me just ask you a question before we step into it. Is the crunching of the salad difficult because mouth is open while eating? No. Okay. So it's mouth closed. Okay. So what is it you would like? So I would like for you to eat your salad in the other room. Wow. So. I, I, I feel like a monster. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's an option, although it puts him into exile for your problem. So why couldn't you leave the room? when he's eating his salad. Right. That's the other option. That's another option, right? Or, yeah, so I would like for you to not be upset if I leave the room while you eat your salad. Okay, that's another possibility. What are some other possibilities here? Do you have a salad with every meal? No. Just dinner? No, I mean, sometimes that's all he eats is a big giant salad. Oh, okay, so big giant salads, when you're eating a salad... I would like or wish, so one was if you could eat it in the other room. Two would be that you're not annoyed or that you make space because it's difficult for me and recognize that I still love you and care for you and that leaving the room is not about that, but it's just about my physical discomfort around the sound. Right. Does he have a clue about this, by the way? Um, he, he knows that I have a thing about sounds. I don't know if he, I don't think we've ever had a conversation specifically about salad. Right. So do you think that you'd want him to be aware that it's difficult? Oh, that feels, that feels like, um, it makes me feel like I'm just saying like, Hey, guess what? This drives me crazy. Just wanted you to know. So, okay. So we're just exploring possibilities. Another possibility is I wanted you to know that this is really difficult for me and drives me crazy. And I'd like to think together about how we might deal with this. It it really depends on, and I think the piece here is, you're not quite sure what you want. I would like to be in a room without any salad chewing. So that's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty clear, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so... What about that then? That's really what you started with. I I sort of explored other possibilities with you, not because I had any judgment about the one, but because typically in this coaching process, looking for alternatives is part of what we do. Okay? Right. So go through the full one and let's see what happens for you now. So I appreciate that you have been so accommodating of my needs. And I feel angry when you chew your salad because it hurts my brain. And I would like it if when you eat your salad, you could eat it in the other room or 
alternatively, that you don't get offended if I leave the room when you eat your salad. Wow. Okay. And what does that feel like right now? Is doing that in the realm of reasonable possibility or is it fantasy land or what is it? Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I started with this low stakes example because I thought, you know, this would be an easy one to kind of walk through, but there's actually a lot of there, there, right? It's about, you know, feeling like you deserve to take up space and communicate your thoughts and your needs and to be seen by somebody else in a clear way that maybe it might be easier to hide or avoid um, because what you want or need feels so petty. (laughs) I could definitely see that this four-step technique would be extremely useful in communicating with people who, for instance, don't understand about the lingering symptoms I have since my leak or right. the kinds of right. accommodations I need to make for myself mm-hmm. as a person with a chronic illness or a person who has had a leak. Actually, having this formula makes it a lot easier, feels more possible than just saying, this yeah. is what I need from you, which yep. Yep. feels impossible to me most of the time, right? Uh-huh. Really good and clear. It's important here to note that people listening to this may look at this example and have a variety of different reactions, all the way ranging from really, I mean, you're going to actually really all the way over to yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. So (laughs) these responses are more going to be projections based on people's own experience of being assertive or passive or aggressive. And so what's really important here is that the running through the four steps and what finally you come to has to have high fidelity, real congruence with your gut and what feels like, yeah, this is what's kind of ecologically correct for me and the people in this situation. Because objectively, again, you can imagine third parties listening to it and not getting it. It's very situation specific. It's and all- this seems like something that we could use when speaking to our doctors very effectively, right? Do you think we could walk through an example of what it might look like for a leak patient to use this with a doctor? I would like to do that. I would also say that with a good number of the people that I work with, we end up doing pre-doctor visit role plays with Mm. exactly this skill set. So let's go and be specific about this. Uh, I want to set this up just as we did the first time where imagining here that there is a conversation that you would like to have. So What's the situation? Are you sitting in the doctor's office in in the exam room? Where is this? Yeah, let's say this is in the exam room. Okay. And and what has the doctor just said that seems and feels dismissive? All right. So for this example, I'll Mm -hmm. just use an example from my own experience with leaking. And it was when I went to be evaluated at a headache center, but I had to see their therapist before I could be evaluated by a headache doctor. And I I attended the appointment on the floor (laughs) with the lights off. I could not sit up. I was in a bad way. 
And this therapist listened to me tell my story about my leak and then said, um, well, it seems like you're really isolated and depressed. We got to get you out, you know, going out to dinner with friends and dancing. And I was literally laying on the floor (laughs) because I couldn't sit up and she was not seeing me. And it was very frustrating. It was hard to communicate to her that what I needed was for somebody to take my pain seriously and not just think dismiss it as depression or anxiety. Okay. So let's start with showing her that you can see things from her point of view or, or that you appreciate her. Now, look, okay. there's great irony here because <laughs> when I really want to get up and run screaming out of the room or- right throw a few expletives, you're, you know, it doesn't even feel quite right to start with this. But again, let's, it's a great example because if you go to passive here and mm-hmm. you just go basically limp and just like, okay, well, whatever. Or if you go aggressive and you blast her, well, first of all, you don't, I suppose, in this situation, Nobody on the floor with leak pain has the resource to blast somebody. (laughs) It's all we can do to even speak some of the time. And look, this is a lot to ask of somebody on the floor in pain with a leak. Let's be very clear about this because I can put myself easily back in a, on the floor, in the doctor's office, can't move situation. It seems like a huge ask to make an assertive statement and go through this process if my brain could even follow it. So again, this is aspirational. It has to be fit to different circumstances. Okay. And I'm sure in that circumstance, I did not begin my response from a place of empathy. <laughs> but in this scenario, if I'm trying to use the four steps, Good. I guess I would say uh, I appreciate your trying to problem solve with me around my difficulties. Yeah. And again, just kind of micro, micro yeah. pick at this. Um I appreciate that you are trying or I appreciate that you are attempting. Within that is a tacit reference to screwing up or to to, you're trying, but you're not succeeding. What appreciation do you think she would like to hear? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, maybe she, as a practitioner, might feel a little bit helpless seeing somebody on the floor. She might appreciate an acknowledgement that this is something big and scary, maybe, that she's not familiar with. Maybe, and that could, depending upon the therapist's ego, shut them down completely or open open them up. Yeah, either way. Open them up. Could go either way. Right. So- With the medical professionals, I have found that if there is some acknowledgement or appreciation around their expertise or skill or Mm. knowledge, that probably is the start point. And so here, what might that sound like? And I'm happy to help you if you'd like. Um, Yeah. Do you have any pointers? So 
in the medical establishment, typically professionals, if we're talking about what it is they would like to hear, and again, you can't, if you don't feel this, you can't say it. It has to be real. One, some comment on skill, expertise, knowledge, or two, a recognition of them caring. Now, it's really in this situation a little difficult, I would imagine, on the floor in Leakland Hell to come up with a feeling of being cared for. Yeah, I think that's why I, that my first thing that I came up with was like, I appreciate her problem solving with me and my particular challenges. Because, I mean, I recognize that's, that, that's what she was trying to do. She was seeing, oh, you're depressed. Oh, the solution is get out more. So I no. could a- acknowledge that piece. But yeah, no, I did not feel cared for right. in that moment. And, that's, and you can't make it up, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So the empathy statement is some approximation of... I appreciate you using your skills to help problem solve to try to help me. Yeah. yeah. And again, any cookie you can throw her way is just gold because you're going to end up receiving more attention. And again, some people will say, yeah, but that's just manipulative. But human communication is built around a listener and a speaker. And the ecology of the interaction colors how willing the listener is. Okay. Right. So... And I feel hopeless. So just again, we're micro doing this. I feel hopeless. Again, is tacitly something that can be received as I'm totally screwed here with you. This holds no possibility for me. Okay. But I think While hopeless refers to the communication and relationship with her, scared is probably the fundamental experience. Is it going on? Yeah, probably underneath hopelessness is fear. And so I appreciate using your skills, uh, and I feel scared. Mm -hmm. Does that resonate for you? Yeah, in the moment, I felt hopeless about there ever being anyone who could help me, right? Because I, I wasn't feeling like somebody actually saw what my problem was. They were seeing a different problem. So that's scary. Yeah, I feel hopeless and scared when, this is a tough one now. When you suggest solutions that are impossible for me. Because? Because I have a spinal CSF leak and I cannot sit up or go out with my friends for dinner. I, I'm not capable of that. What I would like? Is for you to see, for you to understand what I'm dealing with and not just assume it's only depression and anxiety and isolation but a real physical illness. Okay. Another what I would like option is, I wonder if there is someone available that I might speak with who's worked with a lot of spinal CSF leak patients. Oh, that's very good. I'm just curious now. 
mm-hmm. Andy, which of those two is more resonant with you? I think that second one is very useful because it is something actionable that I can ask for. Yes. Yes. It's very specific. And it's the specificity that often wins the day on step four. What does it feel like in the moment to have now asked that? Imaginally, you have now done this in that situation. Well, I think it probably feels a little bit more productive than what I did in real life, which was to just cry. So you're on the ground and you're crying. Mm -hmm. And what did she do? Honestly, I don't remember. I think we just ended the session. Did she get on the ground with you? Oh, no, no, no. Would you have liked that? Um, I don't know that I would have welcomed that at the time. Okay, okay. I think at that moment, I wanted to be believed. I wanted to be taken seriously. I wanted to not be dismissed. I wanted to be seen. You know, I wanted to have somebody understand that I didn't have headaches. I had unrelenting, constant head pain. I wanted people to understand that I wasn't depressed or that if I was depressed, it was situationally appropriate. (laughs) Right. You know, all of that. So, you know, Andy, for these two examples, a few things. One, I so appreciate your willingness to come forward with, with two very real situations, which are both real and true to your life. But I, with great confidence, can say, I know that both of your examples have relevance in Leakland, and I so appreciate you, you taking it on particularly at the beginning of this, you sort of indicated that you imagined a sort of miscommunication would be a stretch for you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I just really appreciate you uh, stretching. And I guess I wonder, and you know, we haven't rehearsed this and there's no right answer to this. I'm curious what, upon having done these two and spent this time kind of looking at this, what you're left with? Well, I think for me, having a tool to follow, a template to follow is really helpful. Um, I Mm. think having a framework makes me feel a little bit more grounded. Um, Mm. Mm. I know for me personally, I tend to struggle with not feeling like it's my place to say anything, right? So having a template to fill in the blanks helps take away some of the, I guess, anxiety or even shame around asserting my own wants and needs. Yeah. 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 And I think the leap to assertive communication can be a really steep climb sometimes. Yeah. And so as we spoke last in an earlier podcast about self-compassion, I just want to bring self-compassion back up and recognize that some gentleness and some compassion toward self is really needed here because asserting in both of the situations that you reference is a big ask. Yeah, especially when there's a power dynamic, right? When you as a patient are depending on a doctor for care, 
you don't want to do anything that's going to make you appear to be the, a bad patient or a problem patient or a difficult patient. It can be a real challenge when you need to assert yourself if you feel like your care kind of depends on you not doing so. Well, thank you so much for walking me through that and for walking all of us through that today. I really appreciate it. And for those of you listening, we do have the file in our show notes so you can download this four-step process and practice yourself. In the meantime, we'd love for you to assertively communicate with us. Let us know what topics you'd like to see us cover, or just drop us a line and let us know what you think of the show. Email us at podcast at spinalcsfleak.org. We'd love to hear from you. The Territory of the Map is presented by the Spinal CSF League Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit health foundation focused on raising awareness, providing education, and funding research for Spinal CSF League. To learn more about Spinal CSF League, including helpful information, resources, and patient stories, visit spinalcsfleak.org. To support the Spinal CSF League Foundation, you can donate by going to spinalcsfleak.org/donate. For other information about the podcast, please visit us online at spinalcsfleak.org slash podcast. And if you're looking for support around your experience of Spinal CSF Leak, join our Inspire online support community at inspire.com slash groups slash spinal hyphen CSF hyphen leak. <laughs>